You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polindo. Tay, how are you doing? Fine. What's new? Nothing. Is everything okay? I guess. How are you feeling? Meh. Do you ever get frustrated when people give shortened responses like this? I know I do. There are so many instances where we go nowhere in interaction. The conversation just stops. So what can we do about this? And how can we get the conversation moving again? One well-known tool that can be used in these situations is called the perception check. A perception check is a carefully structured message format that has three parts. Perception checks are especially useful when we lack information. And using this tool, we can not only check perceptions, but we can get the conversation moving again. Adler and Town suggest that the formula for a good perception check has three components. One, a description of the behavior. Two, two interpretations. And three, a request for clarification. Here's how it sounds. I noticed you haven't said much during dinner, and I'm wondering if you have something on your mind or if you didn't find our topics interesting. What's going on? So let's break that down. First, we start with the behavior. I noticed you haven't said much during dinner. Second, we offer two interpretations. I am wondering if you have something on your mind, that's the first one, or if you didn't find our topics interesting, that's the second one. And the last part of our perception check is a request for clarification. What's going on? Once you start to understand the component parts, you can start to hear the parts in play and interaction. So here's another example. Yesterday, you slammed the door when you left. I wasn't sure if you were angry or if you were frustrated. What was happening for you in that moment? Notice we start with the behavior, we have the two interpretations, and follow this with a request for clarification. The key is understanding the three parts of the formula. So when we describe the behavior, be sure to use the most neutral phrasing available. Don't use terms that add evaluations like when you were bitchy earlier or when you had that crazy outburst. Using phrases like this will steer the conversation into an unproductive path. Instead, say something like, when I asked you about your day, I noticed you had a negative response or I noticed you stopped talking. This is more neutral and will steer the conversation onto a productive path. Next, we offer two interpretations as a way to move toward clarity. Remember to keep these neutral as well. In the situation where the other parties had a negative response, you could ask something like, was it because something happened or was it because something I said? Keep in mind that you're only offering these interpretations to get them to tell you more information. You're not trying to be right. And also don't load up the interpretations unequally. So don't say something like, was it because something happened or because you lost your mind? Of course, using lopsided alternatives and including judgment won't end up being productive on any conversational path. Last, we offer a request for clarification. And when you do this, keep it simple and keep it short. Use phrases like, what's up? Or what's going on? What are your thoughts about this? Or how should I be interpreting this? The workplace is a great place to try out perception checks. You might say something like, last month you mentioned I would be getting a salary increase. I wasn't sure if it was delayed or if I wasn't getting the increase. What's happening with that? Or when you said you wanted to be included on the project, 
I wasn't sure if you were saying you wanted to be the leader of the project or if you simply wanted to be consistently updated about the project. Which did you mean? Now, of course, the key to all of this is to get the other party to talk more, not less. It's about improving the communication. Now, I would offer three more tips as you develop this tool. The first tip is to practice. Sometimes people like to learn communication skills, but they like to read about them, not actually do them. This is not going to be part of your toolkit if you don't practice it in real interaction. So write some examples and practice using them in real situations so that you can find your voice. The next tip is to watch your nonverbals. Keep your nonverbal behaviors congruent with your verbal message. Use neutral phrasing and neutral behaviors because it's helpful to the other person. What isn't helpful is using neutral phrasing but contradicting your own message with eye rolling or condescending tones, negative facial expressions, or other judgmental nonverbal behaviors. This isn't helpful because most of us believe your nonverbals express your real feelings more than your words do. So don't confuse your recipients with contradictory nonverbals. Keep the phrasing and the nonverbals lined up. The last tip is to keep your goal in mind. Remember, we use the perception check to get people to talk. Now, sometimes the other party will deny our interpretations and provide a third interpretation. So here's an example. I might say, I noticed you didn't submit your report by the deadline. I wasn't sure if you were unaware of the deadline or if your team was working on research. What's going on with your report? Now, after I deliver this perception check, the other party might come back with, I didn't meet the deadline because I was off work due to illness. Now, if this happens, you've still used the tool successfully. You were able to gain information. So remember, it doesn't have to be your idea. So don't get hung up on that. Instead, notice that the tool worked. You got more communication to happen, and that's a great use of the tool. I just want to start by saying I feel this is going to be one of my favorites. Really? <laughs> I can feel it in my bones. Okay. This is good. This is very useful, very practical, very user-friendly communication. Do you feel like we'll use this more with our very personal relationships or more general, like the example of at work and stuff, more casual relationships? I have found it useful in every context, and I've never had it not work. Wow. Yeah, I think I could see it in so many interactions. But it hasn't always worked the way I thought it would work, which we'll get into. Because hmm. you heard that third interpretation idea. Yeah. Things don't always work out perfectly. <laughs> oh, what? What I found is when you're positioning the two interpretations next to each other, it's a human tendency to correct it if neither one's true. Hmm. And so there's something about pairing that that if you only had one interpretation, they'd say, that's not it. You know, are you worried about something? They'd say, no, I'm not worried. But when you say, are you worried or are you frustrated? There's something about pairing two interpretations together that makes the human want yes. to correct it. But it also can unfreeze a person. That's what I thought about here. I don't mm -hmm. know if anyone is like me and you kind of get really worked up in conflict or in interactions like this, or you're feeling like just saying, fine, nothing, all those shortened answers. When someone is coming mm -hmm. at me and just asking me one thing at a time, I tend to just freeze or answer really short, even though I don't want to. But when I'm posed with a couple options, it lets me choose one or disagree. Mm -hmm. 
I think you've used this example. You do this on your kids a lot, don't you? I used to, especially when they're in high school. To get them talking about their day or what's going on. Yeah, and I would recommend to anyone listening who has children that tend to say less in whatever stage they're in. Maybe you're in the position where you have a high schooler at home or something like that. I would highly recommend a tool like this as a way to jumpstart the conversation when it gets shortened like that. And you say, how was your day? Good. What happened at the game? It was fine. We keep not making communicative progress. I would say this is a great tool to move it along. And I would say I found out a lot of interesting information that was unexpected sometimes. Hmm. And they didn't know I was using it on them. (laughs) And that's why I say you have to practice. (laughs) Have to practice. That was such a a mom wave and like tone. (laughs) I loved it. No, you have to practice because I get this a lot where people say, I would do the perception check, but I can't because it's going to sound so formulaic and canned and no one will believe it. They'll just think I'm being weird. Hmm. You have to be able to pull it off, right? Yeah. So in the spirit of that, of course, it will not surprise you that I have a quiz. I knew it. I was like, literally in the back of my mind, I was like, no, I looked, that's why I looked down. I'm like, something is coming here. I'm not ready for all this preparation for nothing. (laughs) Let's talk about the formula just real quick to go over it before we start. So we have the three parts. Okay. We have the description of behavior. Mm-hmm. We have two interpretations. Mm-hmm. Request for clarification. So I'm going to give you the situation and you give me the perception check. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is good. Okay. So, and you can take turns who answers. So I don't know who wants to go first. I want Taylor to go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Taylor, I noticed that you were hesitant when Meredith suggested <laughs> you go it. first. It. Is it because you are uncomfortable with that or? Okay. All right. You ready, Taylor? Unprepared. Okay. Here's the situation. Your brother hasn't returned your text messages or phone calls. Rude. Mm-hmm. I'll go beat him up. Oh, okay. So you That's... gotta give us the perception check. <laughs> Taylor's like, okay, give me more information. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. (laughs) I'll call and say, I've noticed that you have not been responding to me. I'm wondering, did your phone die again? As it often does? Or are you upset with me in some way? Is everything okay? I might lop (laughs) off that little commentary about how your phone dies a lot. Did that sound rude? It's not so neutral. It's a little sarcastic. <laughs> but that's classic Taylor, though. I just thought it was very accurate. That, that probably yeah. has happened for him. That's, that's classic Taylor, though, with that touch of sarcasm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very good. You passed. <gasps> okay. Oh, great. Okay. But barely. True. You ready, Meredith? No, but let's do this. So you ask your friend to go to dinner, and he replies, I guess. Wow, I'm not trying to waste a good meal on you. (laughs) That is not a perception check. Okay, I asked my friend to go to to dinner and he replies, I guess. I mean, I feel like the first description of behavior is assumption, though. Like, I notice that you don't sound excited or you don't sound that interested. Well, you can say what you felt. So you can say, when I asked you to dinner... I didn't hear you You say you were sure about going. Okay, so when I asked you to go to dinner, I noticed you didn't seem 100% on wanting to go. Uh, was that because you're tired or because you don't really know if you want to go? How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give you one more shot at that perception check. <sighs> oh, okay. Okay, so I would say... 
hey, when I invited you to dinner, I noticed that you didn't seem or sound 100% interested in going. Was that because you're not really feeling up to going or you're not in the mood to go? What's going on? You passed, Meredith. Oh my God, I did it. <laughs> okay, we got another one for you, Taylor. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're a flight attendant. Ugh. And your pass and your passenger is interrupting you over and over when you're trying to give instructions. Mm. I see that you are speaking during my time to speak. <laughs> is it because you can't hear me or you maybe have more questions for me? What can I help you with? Nice. I like that. One of the tricky parts that is in that one is being able to describe the behavior in a neutral way, which you did. Mm -hmm. You're speaking at the same time I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. We could say when you're rudely interrupting me like that, <laughs> I can't get a word in edgewise. That's what people say. Can you shut up, please? <laughs> I just thought I'd play around with the flight attendant thing for fun. I like it. Okay, last one. You ready? Your roommate has blocked your car in the driveway. Mm, that's a good one. Hey, I noticed your car is parked behind my car, so I'm not able to get out and I'm trying to get out, trying to leave right now. Is that because you're just running in real quick or you didn't know that I had to go? Why did, why did you park like that? Don't use a why, use a what. So what's your plan? Like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Instead of why did you do that? Yeah. People don't respond that well to why. Accusatory. Yeah. That's like, okay, let me try it one last time. So I would say, hey, I noticed your car is parked behind mine in a way where I'm not able to get out. I was wondering if you're just popping in for a few minutes or if you knew I had to leave. What's your plan in the next five minutes before I have to head out? I like that you helped me with the clarification request. Neutral is to avoid why. It's basically, you're avoiding putting the person in the defense. If you say, why'd you do that? Because you don't want to say, what's your problem or why, why'd you do that? Basically, avoid putting people in the defense to get better clarification. It's just about getting more information. But here's the other thing that I would say about a perception check that is so valuable. Because it's structured with multiple points of view in it, it suggests that there isn't an absolute truth. So it suggests that there is another point of view besides mine, the speaker. Because mm. I have more than one approach that I lay out, I'm suggesting in my undertone that there are multiple points of view over this event, whatever it is. Yeah. And that de-escalates. Yeah. Wow. I really liked that. That was a good nugget. In my opinion, we've got to be proactive and less reactive. This is one of those proactive tools that if you can be very good at, you will de-escalate your conflicts and you will be more strategic in what you're trying to accomplish versus just saying, why do you do these dumb things? Mm -hmm. Why are you so inconsiderate? Why don't you think of me? You know, all these things that people mm -hmm. say in life, which is not helpful at all. And having a plan and actually a solution, an actual structure to a message that will give you something, a pathway to understanding. That really makes sense in, in understanding why you say to practice it. Because just, sorry, but I'm a faulty human. And a lot of times if I'm frustrated or I'm in a rush or tense or conflict or whatever, I'm going to say, why'd you do that? And if I don't practice this opportunity basically for other options on the table that isn't just what's up in my head and not in someone else's, then... I'm creating a conflict that probably could be avoided. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times with this, maybe people don't even say anything and they just let the assumptions run in their mind. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That too. Yeah, for sure. And then we're judging people and 
our relationship is being formed by all of this non-communication mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily even accurate at all. Which is the name, right? Perception checking. It's like the stories we make up we talked about yeah. previously. In our, you know. Yeah. So we're going to check to see if my perception actually, as Taylor points out, has any association with reality, mm-hmm. which it may not. And unfortunately, as humans, we like to believe we know things, as we've talked about in other podcasts, and that certainty gets us in big trouble. So, Mayor, how are you going to practice this? I'm going to practice this by thinking of the most neutral and productive language before I try to assess like a situation in front of me. Because I sometimes think I just talk and I don't really think I'm being confrontational or I don't think I'm being short with someone. And then I'll notice they'll lean back or maybe sound a little defensive. And then I'll have to check myself and go, oh, maybe I said that too harshly or didn't say that as neutral as I thought I did. I want to be more proactive in my head about what words I use and how I phrase things that are more neutral. And that's really important in my personal life, but it's also really important with the people I work with. So what about you, Taylor? Yeah, Taylor, how are you going to practice this? I believe you threw that out quickly. Well, I I thought of like an instance just hanging out with friends and I noticed a behavior and I was like, oh, I could practice by just asking him, you know, I noticed this. Was it because you were upset or you weren't upset and I'm just perceiving you as upset? What was going on? Normally, I would not go ask them what was going on for them in that situation, but I want to now. Yeah, and that would be a way I would recommend that you start to integrate it into your vocabulary is try to use it just in a regular conversation. Even when you're in the kitchen making dinner with your significant other and you say, did you put that there because you're going to use that in a minute? Or did you put that there because I'm going to use it? You know, you put that there for me. Why'd you put it there? Oh, yeah. Getting that language going, it'll become easier. Get to the high school kid. I don't have them. But did you put that backpack there because you're (laughs) going to move it in a couple minutes or because you think that's where its home belongs? (laughs) That's exactly what we don't do. Is it because you're very self-centered or would you characterize yourself as entirely narcissistic? (laughs) You could get real funny with these. I know. I was thinking that I probably have done this, but not in a neutral way at all. I noticed you were being bitchy earlier. (laughs) That's funny. I like that. So one of the things that we want to talk about is the contradictory nonverbals that can happen with this. Mm. And I would say that people in authority might misuse this. They might have a perfect perception check, but roll their eyes Mm -hmm. or sigh or do something that your neutrality took out. So now you're ruining the message by adding non-neutrality back in. But is that because they're not doing a check? They have a story in their head Yeah, and they just want you to verify it. Maybe. You didn't do your work because you were lazy, right? Yeah, maybe. That's a good thought. And I'm not sure if I even care what their motives are. What I care more is about what the nonverbal contradiction does. And it basically erases the message Hmm. because we don't believe the verbal message anymore. We believe the eye roll. Yeah. I think that's true generally in communication and definitely here. Yeah. It just undermines everything you just said. (laughs) That's a great word. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I remember we talked about how the author Brene Brown talks about clarity being kind and being unclear is being unkind. I was thinking about if I'm saying something in a way that's neutral and generous and whatever, but I'm giving a real like rude face, you know, or condescending body language or whatever, Mm -hmm. then that's not being clear. Right. That's great. If you want to 
have integrity about the, what you're saying, watch your body language and your tone. Yeah. It's interesting to combine both of the comments that you've just made where somebody has maybe made up their mind or they've, they have their certainty level. And so they're going to make that message unclear by ruining it with the nonverbals. Mm. And that that's so interesting to me that you have this great tool available and you would intentionally sabotage it in order to feel right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I loved that. You were in the intro, you were talking about that. It's not about trying to be right. One of the reasons I said that about not trying to be right is sometimes we have option one, which is the right one, the one I think you're doing. And then option two, I just threw in there so that there are two options, but I don't really believe it or think it's what it is. If you come to the message structure with that point of view, you're in trouble probably, because all you're looking to do is to match the story you're making up in your head with their answer. You're not interested in reality. Yeah. And so you're shaping the tool or sabotaging the tool so that you get confirmation and you feel you're more right about something. And as we've talked about, that won't make you right. You're probably wrong. Mm -hmm. The next tip is not having loaded questions. Yeah. And people do it. They say, is it because you're stupid or thoughtless? (laughs) Yeah. No, people say, yeah, yeah, that's rude. It kind of spills into the other tips, which is your goal is to gain more information. And if you get more information, the tool has worked. I feel like I see this a lot with high schoolers. I watch parents talk to their kids. They'll make a joke. Oh, you just that selfish or something like that. Kind of joking, but I think it really shuts down all communication. Who would want to then be vulnerable or say like, what's really going on then when you use that kind of language? What about even with a smaller kid? What if somebody says like, oh, you're so obnoxious? Putting like identity things onto people. Yeah. When I look at the high school stage or middle school stage when our kids were still home with us, I never thought it was acceptable for them to just not answer me. I'm worried that we're accepting too much non-communication from others. Mm. And this helps us out of that, of course. But I didn't go to them and say, you have to answer me. I just thought, no, I'll have to be more creative. But I'm not going to accept the fact that your day was eh. You're a good mom. That's not quite enough information for me. (laughs) And a lot of times you're involved in something like helping them study for the English test or whatever. So you want to know how it goes. And they go, I don't know. And I'm going to go after that with a perception check and say, you don't know because it was really hard or you don't know because you don't have the score yet and you're unsure. How do you think it went? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they tell me something completely different. So this is an interesting thing that happened often in high school. I would say something like that. And they'll say, no, it was really about what happened before when I got the parking ticket on the way to the English test. Oh, I just got a piece of information I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I thought I was asking about the English test. What's great though, is I found out about the parking ticket and that that bothered them right before walking into the test. And I got a lot of great information there suddenly. So then that goes to the point of not being right. You don't care about being right. You care about getting more information. And that just helped me understand that whole thing in a much better light. That sounds frustrating. Mm -hmm. It almost to me, if there's like a scale leans more toward you want more information from someone you really want to understand better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Selfishly, it also helps your own peace of mind. I was thinking it leaned more towards intimate relationships just because you would know if something is off with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You'd have to know the nuances of that person. To me, it sounded like it leaned more towards your most intimate relationship. But of course, could be used with everything. Yeah. You can show some tenderness there in the description of the behavior. So you know that if you're, you know, your intimate partner is struggling with something, or you know that there's a topic that's very sensitive or a conflict going on, 
the more you describe that behavior in a neutral way, the better off that conversation will go. Mm -hmm. So I might not say, oh, you seemed very upset about blah, blah, blah. I might say you haven't mentioned this topic much more neutral to say you haven't mentioned it. And I didn't know if it was because you didn't want to talk about it or because you were waiting for me to ask you about it. Oh, that's a really good one. I'm literally stealing that. Can you say that just one more time for me, please? Let's say we really think that the other party's sad. I could say I can see that you're devastated by this, but sometimes our partners don't want to hear more of a bad thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I might say you've been kind of quiet about this topic rather than saying you're devastated. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to be really tender in how I phrase that behavior. I noticed you're not talking about it. Is it because you didn't want to talk about it? Or is it because you were waiting for me to ask you about it? What's going on? Mm, I like that. That phrase in itself, though, were you waiting for me to ask you about it? I feel like is so great for the heavy topics. Yeah, it's huge. The topics you don't you don't want you want to avoid normally. Mm -hmm. and you don't want to ask about but it's like a roundabout way because it gives them a clear out like oh no i didn't want to talk about it or oh no i'm not expecting that from you that example that i just gave really illustrates this notion that there's multiple points of view on this in the room because mm -hmm. it's not just that you didn't want to talk about it it's that i didn't do something maybe those are very very different takes on the same situation do you think that's good to kind of try to put one for them, one for you. Was it something you did? Was it something I did? That's a great nuance to talk about. I would say we tend to get farther when we show humility than when we don't. So the fact that we could give an interpretation that would suggest there was a behavior I might not have done or might not have asked or might not have said in a way that was clear, I think that gets us further when we do that and we get less when we're arrogant and suggest that we don't have a role in it. Something that I do when I'm with disputing parties in a mediation is I will sometimes preface a question I have with maybe I'm not understanding and they tend to respond better. Yeah. Oh, let me help you because you don't get it. That's a really good, humble approach. I do that with my clients sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, help me understand this a little better. This is what I'm getting, but maybe I'm misunderstanding you. Yes. And then they get like, oh, I can clarify something. Yes. Gives people a little bit of a boost. Which kind of says, let's be true to the goal rather than to our self-esteem. My goal is not for me to feel good. My goal is for us to have shared meaning, intersubjective knowledge that's shared. And I'm not going to get it by me thinking I'm right about something and then just confirming what I think I'm right about. Yeah. That's not really anything. And you're giving them the opportunity to clarify and choose the narrative. Yes. That's a great way to say it. I like that. It makes me think that it gives everyone a seat at the table. Yeah. Yeah. True. I just love this. I like this topic a lot because it seems like there's so many options. I like that it's very practical. Yes. Mm-hmm. One other comment I was going to make about this is that remember when you learn a communication tool, you always want to learn it in its entirety, but you also want to note that sometimes you don't need the entire tool to achieve the same result. An example of that would be, let's say someone said something highly abrasive and you're thinking, the last thing I want to do is describe that abrasive behavior because <laughs> I can't think of a way that won't use the word bitchy rude, self-centered, whatever you're thinking. Oh, that's a good point. I might skip part one. I would definitely encourage everyone using the tool for the first time to use the whole tool. But when you get into the nuances of it, as you progress in using the tool, I might say, are you saying that because of option A or of option B? 
what's going on. I might not actually technically describe the behavior because it's too dangerous for me communicatively. Mm. Are you sounding that rude because you have that big of a problem with me? Yeah. Sometimes there's no way to actually, you have to almost tiptoe around it. And if you're getting the result, great. Mm -hmm. When it comes to perception checking, let's be honest, this needs to be a daily tool that you and I use to create more understanding in our relationships. So here's the challenge. Start using this tool today. Practice it until it sounds natural. Add it to your daily repertoire to improve your understanding of the people you care about the most. Well, thank you for joining us today. Please help us grow our podcast by remembering to rate, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to join us next time. Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.